0: I the I
3: the from the vegas strip here's rj bow
4: you heard it i'm rj live from las vegas on a big 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 monday looking back and looking ahead national championship game we'll have multiple picks at least one pick in one prop before the end of the hour joined in studio by the pros who know full house brad powers all the college knowledge will be leaning on him for that championship game steve Fezzik, nfl expert leaning on him for the nfl recap sports bettors listen for the money sports fans listen to no more than their buddies but you can't have pros without joes. He's in L.A. He's Joan. It's not always good to be here, RJ. And on a Monday
6: here on Straight Out of Vegas, when we've got a national championship game coming up later on, we've got a cheating scandal, and are finally one step away from knowing who will play in the Super Bowl. What is the Vegas lead?
4: The lead to me has to be Vegas style. How the MVP prohibitively priced right now to be the MVP, Lamar Jackson fell so short in a game that they should have won eight times out of ten based upon the odds. Yeah, it was a
6: stunner on Saturday night. Lamar Jackson and the number 1 seeded Ravens fall to the Tennessee Titans. Another road win for Tennessee, 28-12 in Baltimore.
4: All right, Fez, number one takeaway, like what do we learn from this game?
3: Turnovers are so critical, RJ. Baltimore was minus three in turnovers. Now, we know if we look at our database, if you're minus three, you only win the game 10% of the time. But I'm going to make the case, RJ, that the turnovers weren't minus three. I'm going to make the case it was minus seven because Baltimore went 0 for 4 on fourth down
4: conversions. Okay, so hold on a second. What do we assume is going to be the conversion rate on fourth down? Well,
3: Baltimore was 7 was number 1 in the NFL at 72% for for fourth down conversions. So, historically over the, the course of this year, they would have converted 3 out of 4.
4: Okay. Well, no, 72 is I mean, I know it's going to make your point if we skew it that way, but let's just try to stay with the facts here. And we would agree if anytime someone's number 1, a team's number 1, we're going to assume they've had some luck involved, right?
3: Yes, and they were eight for right, eight. Hold
4: on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know you've got your spiel. You want me to sit back, or do you want to talk? Go ahead. All right, thank you. Thank you so much, Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell, the host and executive producer of the show. Steve Fezzik is a uh, rotating seat to my right. You're here today, right? <laughs> I, I am. Tomorrow? No. You're off? All right. So, here's my question. If it's 72%, through the season, and they're number one in the league. We would assume that if we, if I were going to bet you next year, in fact, you have a chance to put your money where your mouth is. I'll bet you that the fourth down conversions for the Ravens are under seventy-two percent next year. Let's eh, we'll do a dime. You want to bet? No, thank you. Why not? You were just saying seventy-five, three out of four. Well, Baltimore is probably not going to be as good next So year. why would we assume they'd be good in the next game against better mm-hmm. competition? Right? Tennessee has a better defense than an average team, right? Yes. OK. So let's call it two out of three, and I'm probably being nice to you. You agree? Mm. I agree. But now oh, Hold on. Go I ahead. know you want to get to your point. Go. Why don't we see what your point is? Well, they failed twice on fourth and one, RJ. Mm-hmm. And they, were- I get it. I know that, that Nick Wright said, "Oh, they were zero for, were seven and zero in that spot." I, I we can regurgitate that stuff or blue, but what does seven and zero mean? I mean, yeah, you're supposed to convert fourth and ones more than half the time. I got it. So they they probably should have not failed in either of those. But where where were they on the field?
3: Was the end of the first half. They were driving, and then they started the third quarter, and they were driving in the red zone.
4: Okay, so where were they on the field?
3: The, approximately the 20-yard line of the Titans both times. Okay,
4: so you can say effectively if they were to kick the field goal, we can assume a field goal was almost certain and from that range, especially with Tucker. So they gave up six points, it sounds like, in the two spots, meaning if they had kicked the field mm-hmm. goal both times, they would have given the ball back to the Titans. Titans would probably— Got the ball after the after the kickoff in about the same range that the conversion happened, where they didn't convert to fourth. Right, mm-hmm. so really plus six. Baltimore would have benefited. Yes. So how much would they have lost by? They would have lost by ten. Okay, so now what?
3: Well, there's the other three turnovers and the other two failed fourth down conversions. Okay, and what were those? At what point of the mm-hmm. game was it? The other two failures were in the fourth quarter. They're both fourth and fives.
4: And we're at. Again, driving, but not in the red zone yet. Okay. So, and those are 50 50 kind of shots, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So they should have made one of those. And if they had even made that one and then scored a touchdown, they would have still lost. Yes. So if everything you say would have pretty much fallen the Ravens' way, reasonably, not in a perfect world, they still would have lost the game, right? Meaning, if we not that if they would have converted every fourth down and scored mm. a touchdown on it, but if we would have converted out and say, let's say they didn't take such a big chance and kicked field goals instead, let's say they make one out of two of the fourth downs, which is all you can hope for, they still lose. Yes. So that seems to be the story to me, right? If we were trying to explain how did they lose by 16 points, I think your mm. analysis is quite good. But we're trying to figure out how they got to the point it was even a close game. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because that, to me, is the story.
3: Yeah, that defense that had been playing so well for Baltimore. Derrick Henry, we worried about him being a little banged up after 30-plus carries. He ran, yeah. he ran all over Baltimore.
4: No, no doubt about that. We, we can get the box score out and see that one. Jonas, what's your take? I think that Baltimore got behind in the game, and
6: they hadn't had a lot of experience playing from behind in games, and I think they just were a little shell-shocked, and Tennessee was relentless, and Tannehill did just enough to keep them off off guard uh, to where he went deep with the football, threw a touchdown pass there, Uh, a trick play with Derrick Henry at the goal line. It just seemed like they couldn't
4: gather what Tennessee was trying to do all night long. I think the idea... That Baltimore has benefited from the lead is probably to me the takeaway. yeah is we did uh, actually looked at football outsiders last week, and they have a stat. What is the average score when the other team, the opponent, takes possession, All right? So beginning of the game, you kick it off to him. What's the score? Margin zero, right? You up by thirty, you kick it off. So what's the average throughout the season? And Baltimore had the best average where the opponent was down by nine points on average. Patriots were second at seven points and then down from there. If you're down by over a score on average against the defense that lends itself to playing particularly well when ahead, why would that Baltimore defense do that? It's because they blitz a lot. They have a variety of blitzes. And if you know the opponent's going to throw, man, those blitzes can be effective. I think the whole offseason, fa- or not the whole offseason, but the whole second half of this season, we've been thinking, man, the Ravens' D, it's one of the top five, and it's because of Jimmy Smith. And it's because of Peters. Oh, he's good. Except the genius, the, the boy genius, supposedly, we'll call him, Traded him for, what, a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick? Yeah, fourth. How great is he? I don't know. Maybe it was a mindset thing with the Rams. I don't know. But I know Jimmy Smith's been in the league for quite a while. He's number one pick. Never really heard a lot about him. As a Steelers fan, I knew about him. I know about him. Never thought, you know what? The Steelers need if I had Jimmy Smith, it would all be better. And it just seems strange to me. That that was the conversation for so long about how good Jimmy Smith was. Is he better than his backup? Yeah. But to me, it feels like that this was more of a story. In hindsight, now we have the benefit that the Ravens had such a big lead in these games on average. And they felt like when they had that lead, they were so unstoppable that the opponents were desperate. And that desperation, that franticness led to inefficiency. It led to a compounding of mistakes, pick sixes, strip sacks. And when it was a tight game, or in this case, they were playing from behind, and Tennessee benefited from being able to be defensively uh, keyed into Lamar having to throw. And Colin made a great point on that today. Lamar is not the best quarterback when behind. We know that. Right? So... It strikes me this is more about that we didn't see clearly that the Ravens only play this well, or at least the, as well as they did throughout the year, from the lead, whereas a really good team, and maybe that's Kansas City, and we'll talk about that, but a really good team can play from the lead and from behind. Does that does that resonate? Big time, and you predicted
3: that last week on our podcast, RJ. You talked about, wow, you're like, Baltimore— <laughs> That that defense, I'm not going to put them in the top five, Fez. I'm paraphrasing, of course, because they're great when they have the lead, but we haven't seen them hit in the mouth. We haven't seen them behind. How are they going to respond? And obviously, you were very prescient because they did not respond well at all, and it didn't look like they wanted any part of 250-pound Derrick Henry punching them in the mouth.
4: I appreciate you saying that. I'm R.J. Bell, straight out of Vegas. That's Steve Fezick. The... uh... I'm always suspicious when I hear the same answer again and again and again to a big question. And we've been saying that same thing about Jimmy Smith and about Peters, and it just started feeling wrong to me. And I'm not even sure I was right. I just know that it just seems strange that defense got so good so fast with some modest changes. And also, if anything, the front seven wasn't their strong suit and Tennessee was the type of team that could exploit that. Brad, what was your final takeaways?
5: Well, I found this to be quite surprising. The Titans outgained by 230 yards. We've been having this discussion, you know, what what do yards really matter? Because it didn't seem so much to the Cowboys, but yet Baltimore was really good coming into this game in yards. Number one. Number one. Margin in the game. And yet Baltimore looked really good. Outgained Tennessee by 230 yards. It's the biggest yards Differential for a losing team in the history of the NFL playoffs. So no team ever has been outgamed by this much and still won the game, RJ, in the so, history of the playoffs.
4: So does that strike you as it was kind of fluky? Does, does, does
5: That's the thing. It didn't feel... The, the Titans clearly were the better team. It, I can understand a lot of the yards because Tennessee jumped on them early, and we see that all the time. When a team jumps out to a big lead early, usually the team from behind is going to be throwing more and the yards will be in their favor.
4: Yeah, so I think that here's what we can say about yardage. In any given game, especially if one team is is out to a big lead, it can be deceiving. Yep. Over the course of eight or ten games and then onward, I think the net yardage is uh, very, very telling. And it could be that a certain team has three or four situations where they're going to make up yardage in a given spot. I mean, there's always the chance of aberration, but I think net net in any given game, yardage can be deceiving. Over the course of an extended period of games or time or succession of games, it's hard for the yardage to lie all that much. Would you agree with that, Fez? I would. All right. So what we'll have to talk about Uh, Oh, final word, Jonas. I just, I've been looking
6: at, you know, getting hit in the mouth for the first time for the Ravens. Their last loss before this game was September 29th. So they went three and a half months of not dealing with any real adversity as far as having to rebound from a loss. And so, and I know we're going to talk about the Chiefs game as well, too. When I was watching the Chiefs game, when they got behind in that game, I, I felt like, oh, they've still got an opportunity here. This, this game doesn't feel over. I didn't get that with the Ravens. They looked, j- like, rattled. They looked shocked at the situation they were in. And they looked really unfamiliar to the feeling of being down, especially at home,
4: uh, in a big-time game. And we'll have a ton of time in the offseason – to discuss this, but what does this really say about Lamar? Because if he is an elite quarterback with the lead, but problematic without, how good is he net-net? Certainly above average, certainly top quarter of the league, but could he even be in the discussion for top five if he is historically, let's say we find out that long-term might be the way to say he struggles so much from behind? the very fact that baltimore seemed frazzled they seemed troubled so much by being behind was that them telling us we know we're in a bad spot here right it, it it can be a cause or an effect right but it feels like if anything them falling behind and then freaking out so much it was like wow what what do they understand that we didn't about this team which brings up a final point you can bet these games in a way that you have most of your exposure in the spot you like best. I believe if you like Tennessee in this game, and I said it last week, you've got to play them on the money line because Tennessee isn't the type of team that's going to be down 17 and you're so anxious for them to come backdoor it for you. But if it's a tight game late... They have as good a chance as any to win, cause of Henry because of the way they play. So it, it, it strikes, and it strikes me too, the Ravens get a nice lead. They're going to be very, very comfortable. Ravens fall behind. They could be in trouble. You could have zeroed in on that. By Titans on the money line. Last word, final. Yeah,
3: I agree, and I think Jackson panicked. If you look at the 88 plays for Baltimore, 79 of the 88 Jackson either ran the ball or threw the ball. He stopped handing it off to Edwards well, and to Ingram. You, do you think he's calling the plays? Well, he's got the options on these uh, runs. But how
4: do we know what? I mean, what I'm saying is, is, is if we, if he had gone the other way, and didn't carry the main load, we would have said, wait, he's supposed to be the MVP. Hmm. And he's not taking the load. He doesn't want this. He's not ready for prime time. I, I, I don't want to microanalyze the read you know, the read option on a per-play basis. But if, if an a MVP wants to take the ball more, I think that's probably... It's like Kobe missing a lot of shots when he was young in tight spots. It led to Kobe being Kobe later. Mm. I don't think that's... That, to me, isn't the problem. When we come back... We'll break down that Kansas City game. What were the odds when Kansas City was down 24 0? A lot of people said, Oh, I knew, I knew they were going to come back. How much would you made if you had bet them to come back?
6: That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
4: Right out of Vegas!
2: Nutrafault.com spelt N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code CR Show. That's Nutrafolt.com promo code CR Show.
1: I'm Katia
4: Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last twenty-five years I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
6: I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan, coming up here in just a couple of moments. How rich you actually could have gotten had you seen
4: into the future on Sunday? This might be one of the most jam-packed hours in sports radio this year, I think it's fair to say. Great day to join us. You can listen five days a week on hundreds of FSR stations. Also, FoxSportsRadio.com. Also, iHeartRadio app. Also... Sirius XM, and anytime podcast, just search for RJ Bell right now on The Strip. 54 degrees the neon is pumping so rj was a wild one in kansas city
6: on sunday the chiefs trailing by 24 to nothing at one point end up winning the game outright a 20 point winner 51 31 was the final which was well over the over under and it was your bet of the decade your over under bet of the decade
4: and it was another winner for rj bell on a monday You know something, I didn't really want to talk about this, but now that you've brought it up, Jonas,
6: I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, I didn't mean to make you blush, Uh, just, you know,
4: (laughs) given the facts. A lot of people estimate that millions were won on it. And if you think about it, it's probably true, right? Because... We have hundreds of thousands of listeners. Let's say one out of 10 took me up on it. Now, the other nine you'd say are foolish, but okay. So, one, let's call it, uh, let's just say 20000 If they bet how much each? Right? $5 would be 100000 Yeah. So, even if the average bet was $50, it was a million bucks yep. that I gave the world. I took from the bookies, I reached in the bookies' pocket, <laughs> yanked it out, and spread it around like Robin Hood. But I didn't want to talk about it. Thank you, though, Jonas. <laughs> I, I mean, I know you did. had the best interest at heart. Yeah, of course. Now, a lot of people would say, RJ, you should especially be excited because you covered—it went over in the first half. Yeah, It literally took half the game. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, but I don't want to talk about it. Then <laughs> others would say, well, wait a minute— the, te- the one team went over! And I'd be, true! But again, please, enough. fast, you and, had something on this? And the
3: highest-scoring first half, get this, in NFL postseason history matches your decade of the year over.
4: But again, we're only as good as our last win. <laughs> so what I'll say is thank you. And actually, all joking aside, the, f- the feedback was wonderful on it. And... As I say, we've been red hot, I've been red hot on these, like, super-duper plays. It's not like this usually. You you try. I mean, if you can win six out of ten of your super-dupers, you're lucky. That's not really a technical term, super-duper. But I don't know if it's because I feel—I do think about that there might be a million dollars or some variation on this. So I try to be super judicious about it. And we'll try to keep it up, but don't let a couple wins make it seem like they're sure things. They're not, because it, it kind of seemed like it, but it's not. All right, Fez, what's your takeaway on the game itself? I thought. Oh, by the way, we did tease it. Let's talk about it. What were the in-game odds?
3: Yeah, so when Kansas City trailed 24 nothing, Kansas City was a 3-1 to underdog to win the game.
4: It's so funny. Now, listen, I love Colin Cowherd. I mean, we do have a segment on this show called Colin Cowherd is Crazy. So we're not afraid to be critical. The way Colin was acting, like, well, yeah, we knew, yeah, twenty-four nothing. They were at home, (laughs) yeah, no, nothing to concern ourselves with. Come on, right? There's no way that, no way that you could not be concerned if you're a Kansas City batter, especially if you're laying nine and a
5: half. (laughs) You think?
4: (laughs) I I wonder what. I mean, that's interesting. What would the uh, a a ten-point tease? If you think about it, from just the pick 'em. Uh, I mean, do you, do we say like five to one, six to one that they cover? I think eight to one. I mean, it was eight to one on the cover. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So wh- what did we say?
3: Misleading final. I can make the case Kansas City should have won by more. RJ specifically, how did they get so far behind? And I know we hate to like go ahead and cherry pick these weird plays, but, but for— but- Go ahead. 14 <laughs> crazy special teams points. Blocked punt touchdown, and then essentially a dropped punt touchdown. Casey gifted Houston 14 points.
4: And remember now, is it's now 8-0 is when the opponent has been outgained on the season, and again, talking about how yardage yep. matters, and outscored on the season. And Houston had been both. When they reached the division round this century, it had been seven prior times. Now it's 8 that they lose the game. They do not make the conference final. No team, and again, this year, no team that's been outscored and out-yarded on the season. Stats matter over the long term, and I think we saw it, took, it went about as well as it could have for Houston, I think it's fair to say, and they still got dominated in the game. Jonas, what was your main takeaway?
6: Um, I felt better about Kansas City trailing than I did Baltimore trailing. It's the one of the weirdest, yeah, one of the weirdest games I've ever seen, and I was exhausted afterwards. And it felt like there were two or three different games inside one game. But I wonder, and I and I asked Fez this before the show. Had Houston scored a touchdown, went up twenty-one to nothing. Had they gone for it and actually scored a touchdown instead of settling for the field goal, how much would the in-game odds have changed with them up twenty-eight nothing as opposed to the, just the twenty-four nothing?
4: Yeah, you know something. I, my gut feeling about the in-game odds, Faz, you can tell me if you generally agree. Is it, yeah, would have made a difference, but not that drastic. Yeah, not that drastic. Four to one
3: instead of three to one,
4: and. B- I, I just think it's hard. I know O'Brien is is a punching bag in general, right? But the two decisions people are questioning: one, he was too conservative. And one, he was too aggressive, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, so it's kind of hard to say if only if he had just flipped those, it would have been good. you know it just feels like one of those things he was going to get to heat you know the negativity, regardless and it it's also the idea that well, that was the crucial moment when the
6: momentum of the game turned. look, man, you're up twenty four to nothing, all right. If you want to say that caused one touchdown, that's fine. What about the other forty four points?
4: you know, like or you just... could say it's great coaching that they, that they had the lead at all right. because As Fezzik said, and he was at the national forefront of this, and in less than 20 minutes, we'll be talking about what Brad was at the forefront of is Clemson and how good they are. And literally, this was six, eight weeks ago. No one was talking about it. He was. Fezz, and I remember on the herd, I do a pod with Colin every Friday during the football season. We'll do one this Friday. And I always tweet it out at RJ in Vegas. And... He had Kansas City out of his top 10. It wasn't that long ago. And Fez's theory was this team was 4-0. Everyone thought they were the second-best team in the league. In the interim, the defense got a lot better. Mahomes got hurt, was hobbled. But when he got healthy, he looked as good as ever. And then they returned Hill. And if you add Hill, worth a point. If you assume Mahomes is as good as he was when he was uninjured early, which he is, and you look at the defense trend line – you could make the case that Kansas City was the best team, and Fez you said it on Friday right here on straight out of Vegas. you said that in the last five years, other than the Ravens, Kansas City's the best team in the n f l over the last five years. this Kansas City team would have been ranked second if we had a five year ranking, correct? Yes, which speaks to how good this Kansas City team yeah. is, so I think some of this was Houston just wasn't supposed to be in the divisional round. And some of it is Kansas City not only has Mahomes and a great offense, but a pretty good defense. We had them about eighth defense. Fez, anything about this game, final word that changes your mind on that one?
3: Nothing on the defense. On the offense, I do want to say this is an opportunity where we get to see Mahomes with the brightest lights upon him and a really adversarial situation just respond.
4: I wouldn't say it's adversarial when you're at home. Let's say a difficult situation. Well, well,
3: I love the way he called out his offensive line. He, he addressed his team, and he just started screaming at his players. Not screaming, but just he was so intent on, hey, we're going to get this you back. We've got to make was these scre- plays. You, don't think
4: he was sc- you think he was saying it very calm, that <laughs> like boardroom voice? He was engaged. Engaged. That's what I am sometimes. Enga- I got the word for it now. I'm engaged. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's look at one, we'll look at one more game real quick. Yeah, let's look at the next game. All right, guys,
6: so let's get to this next game, and it was the finale of the divisional weekend. It was the Green Bay Packers on to the NFC title game. Green Bay, a 28-23 win over the
4: Seattle Seahawks. Fez, best bet, Green Bay. I agreed with you. You were right. Rock solid. That said, it could have went either way. Lot Most games can. Main takeaway.
3: Main takeaway is that Green Bay benefited from Seattle hurting at running back. So we saw Lynch get two yards per carry. We barely saw Homer get any carries. And bottom line is Green Bay's biggest weakness on defense. You can run on them, and Seattle could not take advantage of that.
4: Okay, but that was your handicap before the game. You're saying it went that way, and still we barely covered. So does that cause you... Do you downgrade Green Bay off this game?
3: You know, I did not downgrade Green Bay. Did you upgrade them? Definitely was not going to upgrade. It was either going to keep them the same or downgrade.
4: Meaning that after the game, as you were contemplating. Yes. So this is something Vegas does that no one else does. We would say this team just won. Everyone's talking and taking their bows. They're like, anyone that liked Green Bay... Now, I'm not going to talk about the people like Seattle. I'm not going to talk about... Seattle was overrated, because let's be candid, and I'm being sincere here. If Seattle had the running backs, this could have been a different it easily would have been a different game. And I still would be sitting here today saying Seattle is overrated if they had won even if they were healthy with their running backs. I would have say it, just like I'm going to say right now, Green Bay is overrated. What's the early line, San Fran Green Bay, Fez? It's seven to seven and a half. So what we're saying here is the line Minnesota had played road road, which is challenging. Cousins out of his one o'clock comfort zone. Line was seven. Yes. This line is slightly higher. hmm That means that Minnesota, the market considers even before Green, even after Green Bay, after Green Bay has the benefit of winning this game. Minnesota last week was considered to be better than Green Bay is right now even after winning this game.
3: Yes, great point.
4: To me, I still think they're overrated. I think Green Bay has is is the second most overrated team in all of football this year and I think Seattle was number 1. Someone had to win this game. And and what I expect is going to be I expect domination with San Fran, though the question becomes is that defense what we thought it was, it looked like it was on the scoreboard.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
4: Straight Out of
6: Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming up ten minutes from now here on FSR, we will have a best bet your chance to make a little bit of coin on a Monday night. Want to let you know we are brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has the free services you need to help you get back on the road, like their free AutoZone Fix Finder service with over 5,600 locations nationwide. AutoZone is here to help you save time and money with their free services. Getting the job done just got easier. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. Auto zone. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. All right, Jonas, let's look at the fourth game, 49ers. It was the 49ers all over the Minnesota Vikings on Saturday in the Bay Area. 27-10 to 10 was the final.
4: To me, entering the game, the question was this. How good was the 49ers defense with many of their injured players Alexander likely back, others not so sure. They all played, right, Fez? Yeah, D. Ford played also. And how good was that, D? Because it's easy to say, just like we were uh, skeptical of the Ravens being, oh, just because the Ravens got back, Jimmy Smith, they were so good. No, no, no. I was skeptical of that. I still am more so now. (laughs) I was skeptical that that's all it was with the 49ers. We got one game of data that says maybe it was a lot of the injuries.
3: Yeah, and I want to talk, though, about the bye week. San Francisco
4: had a no, bye bi- No, 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 I, What I want to talk about is how do you believe the bye week is what was the big driver on the defense? Yes. Well, so you're saying more so than the injuries? Yes, because Quan so Alex— you're saying if Alexander was out and Brown was out— or Ford, I'm sorry—was mm-hmm. out— But they were rested. You would have thought, oh, this team's just as good.
3: Not as good.
4: All right, but but the but the rest was more than the the, the players coming. And back. the
3: reason I say that is Alexander on the stat sheet did nothing in this game. Didn't have any tackles, so it was shocking how little he showed up in the box. How store. many? But
4: how many snaps did he play? A big chunk of it. He did
3: play. And the team did say gave him a tremendous emotional boost.
4: Oh my gosh, that sounds like like Lucas on the sidelines <laughs> or something. All right. So do you try? Are you able to just look at tackles? And interceptions or whatever, and say that's really telling about how important a defensive player is? I, can,
3: I cannot, but a middle linebacker should fill up the stat sheet.
4: Okay, so you're saying it's easy now to say, this is another example where it's e- the default on the talking head shows are gonna say, uh, oh, look, Brown's back. In fact, I think I heard that a few times today. You're saying, nah. Could help next week, could help in the future, but this was more about the 49ers finally got a bye.
3: Exactly right, because the 49ers, did, they had a bye week four. Every other playoff team had their buys week eight or later, and that defense really, the eye test said they were looking tired, they were looking worn down, and having that full week off here in the bye week I think was critical.
4: That defense was
3: flying everywhere on in this game on Saturday.
4: Brad Powers, let me ask you, do you remember Fez talking about now last week on Friday— it was kind of like one of those like, eureka moments. He was reading and reading and reading. He uncovered something, came in Friday, was one of the highlights of the show. Yep. Talked about that the 49ers had been uh, 12, 13 weeks since they had a bye. He thought the bye was going to do them good. He was right, it seemed. Absolutely, yep. But before that Friday, had you heard him talk about the 49ers of fatigue at all? No. No, that's interesting. Just about so they, the injuries. So the eye test... <laughs> It wasn't quite the Mm -hmm. eye test, was it? It was not. (laughs) Oh, old Fez. You got to love him, though. I mean, he keeps trying. I'm in third grade, and even I know not to lie. But you should just tell the truth, Fez. Just say, you know something? I didn't even realize it was a fatigue. (laughs) But then I did, because no one else has. So they're not going to get tired again in one game. So you're saying... Boy, that'd be f- – I. Uh, not that I wish injury upon the players, but I almost <laughs> wish Alexander to, you know, get a little hobble during practice and everyone's going to be like, oh, oh, my God, the players are gone again. It's going to be that 29th ranked D or 26th ranked D. But lo and behold, you're going to say, no, 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 they're not fatigued, and that's the key. Yes. All right, we'll have a chance to dig in this week because I, I'm going to – I don't – I'm not enough of an X's and O's guy to really know how much – you can just look at the stat. I mean, could it be a situation that they run away from him, they try to stay away mm. from him so much? It's almost like a shutdown corner, right? I know with a, like a Dion type shutdown corner that they might not even have any pass deflections or whatever, but they can shut down that whole, you know, Rivas Island style. But I, a middle linebacker, it seems like it'd be hard to do that, but maybe they're, they're playing out on the edges and the fringes. I don't know. You have any thoughts, Brad?
5: No, but it'll be intriguing to see where Fez stands after this week's game. It seems like he overreacts sometimes. Well, it's Whatever be, fits it'll his be narrative. intriguing to see how where he stands
4: after I, uh,
5: I batter him a little
4: bit on it. Right? We just don't have time today. And it costs me money. You know why? Because the national championship game is tonight, and we have the guy with all the college knowledge with a bit. Is it a big pick, Brad? It isn't now because today we have ah, a big lineup. He's move. saying, not a big pick. I'm not, but you know something? Fez is going to throw in a prop just to make, make up for it.
6: That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, and it's money making time next year on Fox Sports Radio. Out
1: of Vegas!
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
2: up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Go book your stay at graduatehotels.com.
3: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest
4: paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
6: I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of You, the fan, kicking off in a little over an hour from now on ESPN and in New Orleans. It is the national championship, number one LSU, number three Clemson. And right now on pregame.com, LSU, a
4: four and a half point favorite. It was up to six not that long ago. Brad, you were right here on the radio, straight out of Vegas, saying, oh man, six is so much value. Now, you've been redeemed. That's it. If it wins or loses, you can feel good. The market ultimately agreed with you, but... Given the givens right now, what do you do in this game?
5: I still like it. I still think it's worth a bet, just not uh, obviously it's as big as bet as what it would have been at six. So Clemson plus four and a half is still a like. It's still worth a, a bet here, RJ. And here's what I see. It's still a overreaction to what we saw last, that being the semifinal. So there's this thing in Vegas called a look ahead line where you can bet on a future matchup prior to the actually games being played. So prior to the semifinals, this line, this theoretical Clemson-LSU game, the line was pick'em. And you're telling me after just one game for each team that the line would be sitting here at four and a half? Seems like an overreaction to me, RJ.
4: Seems like it, or you know it is. It is. (laughs) I mean, is there anything you can just say straight? Can you say this? Just say it full-throated. This was
5: a crazy, irrational overreaction. This was a crazy, irrational overreaction to just one game. How much? What do you think the line should be? I think the line should be LSU minus three.
4: So you're saying a three-point adjustment would have been okay.
5: Yep. And even that's significant this time of year, at this point in the season. But you think justified. Justified. Why? Because LSU... Scheme-wise, has been much better defensively and also personnel-wise getting better, and they get a key player. One of their best players on defense is back for this game. He's been out since prior to the Alabama game.
4: That's Brad Powers. He has all the college knowledge. If you had listened every day, you'd have Clemson plus six. If you're listening just today because you're thinking, oh, we'll cherry pick, hit and run, just get the picks on the big days. Okay, fine, but you're only plus four and a half. Faz, you got a best bet on a prop. I like this. Yeah, I'm going to bet more points scored in the second half versus the
3: first half, RJ. And frankly, this is a bet we often make in the Super Bowl as well. In these huge games, teams are often very conservative early. You don't see a lot of scoring early. But what's going to magnify, I believe, that concept, 16-day layover. So rust for both teams. It's been forever since they played a game. So I expect the game to start slow, thus lower scoring in the first half. So I'm betting second half, more points, minus 140 versus first-half points.
4: Now, how widely available is this kind of bet? I've seen it in many of my books. What percentage? You have 29 outs. It's about 40%. <laughs> okay. I mean, when he says many, it could be like, <laughs> what do you got, Jeff
6: Well, if it goes to overtime, does that still count as a second-half bet, or will they kind of nitpick on that and say, no, no, it's got
4: to be the final 30 minutes of regulation?
3: Overtime counts as second-half. Oh, okay.
4: And that's part of the where there's extra vig on it. you got to lay the 140. Kind of like Brad's be bad, be oh so bad. And it was bad on Baltimore. You think? <laughs> it would have been funny if Kansas City had lost too. Yeah. So I like Clemson, plus six a lot, plus four and a half, less so, but still like. I really like Fez's. And here's why I think we've seen it again and again. Just go back to when the Patriots came back against the Falcons, it was so unusual. It was like, oh, my gosh, you're you're never going to forget that you saw this. Now we got people saying, oh, down 24 nothing, no big deal. How absurd that is. It's absurd. But still, these teams won't give up. If LSU gets up big, Clemson won't give up. Vice versa, they won't give up. And I think because of that, there's always a de- And we've seen in these Alabama games, in the national championships against Clemson, where at the end of the game, it's touchdown, touchdown, yep. touchdown. You just don't see that urgency, the risk-taking earlier in the game. That's why I like second-half scoring minus 140. Also, I like Clems.
6: If you missed any of today's show, including best bets on that national championship game, go to foxsportsradio.com for the podcast. We're back tomorrow right here on Fox Sports Radio.